So I welcome you, all of you who are online, those of you who are listening. Uh, just tune in, enjoy yourself, and just get carried away with us. Because I want the Lord to speak to our hearts and to our lives this morning. I want to share for just a moment. Um, many of you gave gifts and cards and money and whatever uh, for mine and Susan's 17th year here as y'all's associate pastor. We've been here about 34, 35 years, but been that long as associate pastor. We thank you very much for your kindness and your generosity to, to our family. But I want to ask you a question this morning. That's a question that I've had uh, ringing out in my mind for several months in my own life. And I've talked to some of our guys here at the church and have had them praying for me and just really been going through a difficult time in my life and a sense of being so far away from the Lord, even in my own personal life, that, that I wonder what in the world is going on, what's, what's happening. And, and so I want to ask you a question this morning to kind of kick forward us, uh, kick start us, whatever you want to call it, to where I want to go. Uh, and I want to ask you the question, what are you doing here? And as you go through the week this week and as you find yourself in places that you think about and places that you're at, ask yourself that question, what are you doing here? But we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19 in your Bibles. You can go ahead and be turning there and we're going to read verses 1 through 15. But before we get there, I want to back up just a little bit because I want to kind of get you where we're at and get us get us kind of up to date where we're at and but there was a man by the name of Elijah that came on the scene and we want to look at this man Elijah here for a moment and he as he burst on the scene as if he had just appeared from nowhere and and you know doing some studying and 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 some uh, looking at some different commentaries and doubtly when Elijah burst on the scene he was one of those type prophets that would jump on the scene and then jump off the scene in other words, he'd kind of go into hiding after he would make a statement or a remark and, and you wouldn't see from him or hear from him again until the Lord told him that it was time to go say something else. And that, that's kind of the type of guy we are. We, we do know that he was probably one of the first great prophets of the northern kingdom. But he showed up in a time when Baal, uh, the Canaanite god of storm, rain, and fertility, was gaining allegiance. And even many of God's people, the Israelites, were turning to this Baal worship. And they were turning their eyes away from just Yahweh and starting to worship other things besides what they should have been worshiping. And Elijah came bursting on the fourth though, on the scene though with a proclamation that the God of Israel held control over generative powers of nature. And uh, Elijah burst on the scene announcing there would be a, a famine in the land in 1 Kings chapter 17. And true to what Elijah had said, it didn't rain for three years and six months. He proved that, that, that Baal, the god of the rains and fertility, was impotent before the Lord. But during this time, Elijah hid himself, and, and I shared this morning in the first service, he, he hid himself by the brook Cherith. And in the process of being hid there by the, the brook Cherith, he uh, was fed by the ravens that God provided for him. And it seemed like everything that, that, that Elijah touched or everything that Elijah talked about, everything that Elijah done, the power of God was just moving on Elijah. And things were happening and, and, and Elijah was seeing all these things happen. 
But God sent these ravens over to feed him and to take care of him during these difficult times that uh, even he would seem to find himself in. But then after this, the Lord sent him to Zarephath and told him that a widow woman would supply his needs. And sure, as what God had told him in Zarephath, he ran into a, this widow woman and, and, and he asked this widow woman for a, a, a cake of bread. And, and she told him she didn't even have uh, the flour nor the oil. To, to make some for her and her own son. And Elijah assured her that if she would make him a cake of bread, that God would provide through everything that she would need, everything that she would, would take care of her through the next three years and six months. And sure, to his word, everything that God told Elijah came to, to happen. But also in this process of staying there with them, Elijah uh, was told by the widow woman that her son had died that he breathed no longer and Elijah told her to bring him down and Elijah stretched himself out over her son three times and sure enough he he came back to life again God showing his power God showing his intervention in Elijah's life and over and over as we kind of read through these these chapters we see these things happening but then came the great victory at Mount Carmel where Elijah proposed that the two sides would prepare sacrifices but they were not to burn them. He said, no, we're not, not going to burn them. And each side was to pray to their God. And the God that answered would be God. And so the rites began in the morning to Baal. And 450 prophets of Baal went to hooping and hollering and acting like a bunch of idiots around their throne or around their sacrifice to no avail because nothing happened. And Elijah sitting over on the sidelines started making fun of these prophets of Baal and started asking them, hey, is your God going on vacation? Is your God sleeping? What is your God doing? Because it seems to me your God's doing nothing. Now, I don't know about you. I, I would have probably been like Elijah. I'd have stood there for a few seconds watching them act like idiots, and then I would have just kind of started making fun myself. And, and we find ourselves doing that at times that we see things like that happening. But he mocked them, and he made fun of them. Man, he just wanted to know what their God was meditating on. Because in doubting, he wasn't listening to anything that they were asking. But when evening came, and, and, and they seemed to think it was around 3 o'clock in the evening, Elijah bent out and, and kind of summoned all the people to come to him. Called them all in near. Because he had something that he wanted to say. And he then prepared the altar and put the sacrifice on it. And he soaked the altar with water three times and called out to his God. And when Elijah called out to his God, God heard his cry. And sure enough, at that very moment, the flames consumed everything, the sacrifice, the stones, the wood, and even the water. Everything was gone. There was nothing left. You see, Elijah's question had not been answered. Uh, uh, Elijah's question had been answered, but not by the people, but by God. And God had assured him that he was in control. And then they destroyed all the prophets of Baal. And we see all of this in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. You see, because he even appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So many things are thought of and talked about with Elijah. And to be honest, we, after talking about all those amazing things that, that we've seen Elijah do and Elijah being a part of, then it's almost heartbreaking, if you will, for me to preach the message to you that I want to preach to you this morning, because we're going to see Elijah in a place that Elijah don't want to be in. 
We see Elijah in our message today in a time of despair, in a time of defeat. Here we'll see Elijah is running for his life. So in honor and reverence to God and his holy word, if you'll stand to your feet, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15, and then we'll launch off into the message. It said, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when they saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you in this time. And Father, we ask you to move amongst us. Move in us. Speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. Touch us like only you can, O oh God. And I pray that through the message that you'd use your vessel, your messenger, for such a time as this to relay the message to your servants. So Father, I pray that as we listen and as we Take to heart what's being said, that God, we'd apply it to our lives to be more like you and less like ourselves. So, Father, we just give you praise and glory and honor for everything that takes place here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the first thing that I want us to see through these verses of Scripture is I want you to see the, the Lord's care for Elijah in verses 4 through 8. You see, we, we, we've all sit here and we've, we've seen all the great victories in the life of Elijah and how he had given him all the victory. But everybody 
is not happy when you're receiving all the victories. Everybody's not excited about your victories. In fact, a lot of times your victories brings uh, ridicule from other people. And in his victory, in, in, in Elijah's victory, it had led to a burning angry in a woman by the name of Queen Jezebel. So she has threatened Elijah by the next day. And we see in this verses of scripture that Elijah flees for his life. Now all his past victories are forgotten. Everything that has happened, what his God has done for him is, is all past. And just to be honest, he's, he's feeling mighty low. And Elijah thought Jezebel would crumble at what took place. He expected her to surrender to his God. And when she didn't, he became very discouraged. What about your victories? What about those times in your lives when you can think back on times in your lives where God has given you the victory over things in your life that you struggle with, that you have trouble with, that you just can't seem to get past, and God brings you the victory in that issue? Have you forgotten those victories? See, because if we're not careful, all of us can find ourselves in the same state that Elijah was in. You see, that's, that's where I've been in about the last six months of my life. Wondering what in the world God is doing, what God is, is having me to do, what God wants to do in my own personal life. And guys, I, I've been in places with my Lord that I, I've never been before. And I've shared this with some of our guys here in church and some of my friends that I associate with. But guys, there's nothing like being in a place that you don't want to be in. Elijah has found himself in a place that he don't want to be, where he's never experienced before. I don't think he's ever been to this place before. And all of a sudden, he finds himself there. And, a, and Elijah takes off running, and he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He doesn't want to face anyone. It was just too much embarrassment to his life. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He doesn't know what he would, would even say if, if, if he had a chance to. He doesn't want to assume any responsibility. He just wants to forget all about what has happened. You see, his hope, his hope for helping his people is gone. Elijah's just in a mess. You ever been there? You ever been just in a mess and you don't know what to do, what direction to turn? And you see, right when we think it can't get any worse, <laughs> Elijah decides there's not even any use in living. And he says in verse 4, he tells the Lord, it is enough. I've had it and I can't stand it no more. He even tells the Lord to take his life. How sad. How sad that a situation that Elijah finds himself in. But then the Bible tells us why Elijah's so distraught. He said that he was no better than his fathers. So undoubtedly his fathers must not have walked with the Lord either. And he's kind of finding himself in that same position. Guys, how, how, how horrible it is for us that call ourselves children of God and we walk away from God to the point that we just want to die and let it all be over with. And that's where Elijah has found himself at. But the fact is God never asked him to be better than anybody else. God never asked Elijah to be better than anybody else. All God asked Elijah to do was to read the words and obey the words. That's all he asked him to do. You see how confused Elijah was? This man is fleeing from death, yet he's seeking it. The combination of emotions, burnout, weakness, hunger, and a deep sense of failure, plus his lack of faith in the Lord had brought Elijah into a deep depression 
And I don't know about you, but when you get into a deep depression, you're somewhere you don't want to be. And you don't want to have no part of it. A depressed person really doesn't know what he wants. And finally, out of disgust, out of disgust, out of total disgust, he flops himself down under a broom tree. And I was reading uh, about this broom tree, and they seem to think these broom trees only grow about 10 foot long, and they just got a little bush in the top of them that you can actually, I, I assume they must have took them back in those days and turned them over and used them for brooms. But, but that's what they call them, and that's kind of what he fell down under. I think I'd have found me a bigger oak or something that was a little bit more shade, but that's what, he, that's what he found. But have you ever felt so down in the dumps about a situation and all you wanted to do was just lie down? That's kind of where Elijah was in this state. Man, he just wanted to lie down. Nothing's going right. You just feel as if life's fruitless and useless. And you just want, to be, want it to be all over with. And this is where Elijah was in his life. A man that had seen so much power. A man that had seen so much happen through his God. And now he finds himself in this position and in this state. So depressed. But I want you to notice in verse 5 what God does. You see, God showed his tender care to this depressed prophet because this verse says as he slept, an angel touched him. Guys, listen to me. God had never left Elijah. God was always with Elijah, the same as he'll always be with his child. God was there and God knew exactly what Elijah needed. So many times in our lives, we think we know what's best. We think we know what we need, but I'm telling you, our God knows much more about what we need than we do. The God that loves you is always watching out for your good. And we may be like Elijah in many ways, but God will not leave us where we are at. You see, the angel of the Lord brings food and water to Elijah in the middle of a famine. And Elijah wakes up and eats and then returns back to his nap. That's the part that blowed my mind about the whole story. I'm thinking, you know, if an angel of the Lord came to me and woke me up and gave me food and, and drink, I think I'd have wanted to sit there and spend a little time talking to him or something. But it says that he went immediately back to sleep. And it don't even tell us really in the scripture, it don't even really tell us how much longer he sleeps again before the angel of the Lord comes to him again. You see, the angel of the Lord awakens him, though, the second time. This time, though, when he, when he wakes him up, he tells him, you are not fed just to sleep. I need to, I'm going to go home and tell Susan that because she thinks when we eat, you're supposed to take a nap. So I'm going to go home and tell her, you, you, you ain't fed just to sleep. Gene, you're going to have to protect me, you hear me? Because she's going to get on me pretty bad, I'm just going to tell you. But You see, God was not through with Elijah. See, many times in our lives, we think God is through with us when God's just started. God's just started his work in us. So he fed him to prepare him for the journey that lay ahead. So in verse 8, Elijah journeys for 40 days on the food that the angel of the Lord God had given him to the mountain of God, Horeb. Guys, I want you to hear me. God will always prepare us for the task that he has set before us. God will always prepare us for the task that he has set before us. But I, I, but I must confess to you, many times, every time Brother Jesse asks me to preach or to whatever, I, I'm one of those that I'm going like, 
you, you could get somebody else. I mean, it's not going to hurt my feelings if somebody else does it because I'm really not adequate. But guys, for such a time as this, God has called Elijah to this place. And he's moving and working in him in the same way he does every child of God. He has called us to where he wants us to be. Well, there's a second thing that I want us to see is the Lord's question to Elijah in verse 9. It says, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Such a hard question. Because to be honest, I don't think at this time Elijah really knew what he was doing here. Elijah probably went to this cave though to get away from those who were chasing him and were after his life. Or maybe he even was making a retreat in order to, to solve, try to solve some problems that he realized that he had. Or maybe he was even there for a retreat to try to get closer to God so that he could try to look back on what God had done in his life before. But this question that God asked was, was to his discouraged child. You see, Elijah had lost his focus. And y'all know that one of my favorite sayings around here is, if you lose your focus on who Jesus is, you've lost your focus. Because the fact is, if we ever lose our focus of who Jesus is, we're on a downhill spiral to nowhere. This is where Elijah has found himself at. You see, Elijah was trembling when he should have been trusting. But not only that, Elijah was pouting when he should have been praising. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I don't care. I, I, there ain't no rock going to cry in my place. I'm going to praise him and worship him as long as I'm alive. Boy, you talk about depressed. He was so depressed that he was willing to give up his calling and even his life. This is where we find this man, Elijah. And when God asked him this question, what are you doing here? If you notice in the first part of the scripture, he didn't give no answer. Elijah didn't know how to respond, so God's going to again ask him this question. See, Elijah had forgotten who was in charge. He had, he had made it sound as if he were all alone in this fight, that everybody had fled and he was by himself. And in the eyes of Elijah, God, uh, even God had left him. Who had told Elijah that he was by himself? Who told him that? This question that was asked of Elijah can be the same question, though, that God would ask us. What are you doing here? You see, here is God's question to a Christian defeated by fear. When God has promised that he would always be with us. Guys, that's a promise from God that's in the word of God. That he'd always be with us. He'd never leave us, never forsake us. So what in the world makes us have fear? Here's God's question to a Christian who thinks he has no purpose in life, knowing that if Christ is Lord of my life, he gives me purpose. Here's God's question to a Christian who is overwhelmed by problems. What are you doing here? He didn't say we would be exempt from problems. Did he ever say that? He never said that in the scripture. He never said that we'd be exempt from scripture, but he did promise that he'd walk through those things with us. He always promised that. Here's God's question to one focusing on the faults of others. What are you doing here? Focus on yourself and God and quit worrying about others. Listen, when I die and leave this walk of life, I don't have to answer for others. I have to answer for me and that's enough. I don't know about you, that's enough problems for me. 
So I don't need to be worrying about others. I just need to be worrying about what I'm doing with God. That, that's what I need to be studying. Here's God's question to one that is backslidden. What are you doing here? Listen, God didn't save you to find you here. God didn't save you to find you in a backslidden state where you have no business. God saved you for his purpose and for his reason and to do his work. And that's what we should be doing. Here's God's question to one who remembers better days. What are you doing here? You see, we seem to forget the victories that God has given us. We seem to lose sight of what our Lord is doing before our very eyes. But there's a, one last thing that I want you to see. is the Lord's commission to Elijah. You see, the Lord's commission to Elijah is in verses 11 through 15. It said, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You see, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I love that suddenly. I think that word suddenly means God's trying to get your attention. And boy, he's really wanting Elijah's attention at this point. And he said, I've been very zealous, jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altar, and killed your prophet with the sword. And I'm alone and left, and I seek to take my life. And they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness at Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Elijah had nothing else to say to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what. The Lord had a new message for Elijah. The Lord could have rejected Elijah for his disobedience. But instead he had a new message for Elijah. He could have left Elijah to die in the cave. But he didn't take that approach. Listen, God has dealt with us according to our... God has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Praise God that he has it. Because if he had, we'd all be in a mess today. I'm telling you, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. So what God told Elijah to do was to go forth and stand on the mountain. And boy, I'm going to tell you what an experience. What an experience that Elijah had as he stood there on that mountain. Because as Elijah stood there on the mountain, a great strong wind ripped the mountain apart, and all of a sudden, the ground trembled beneath his feet, and stones started falling, and trees started burning in flames, and lightning started hitting all around him. What in the world is going on? Why all the commotion if God is not in it? You see, God was right in the middle of all that was going on. God had to get Elijah's attention. But listen, it wasn't through those things that he got his attention. It was in that still, small voice. How many times in our own lives have we heard that still, small voice of God? 
And boy, when we hear it, we know exactly who it is speaking. At this point in the story, God again asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds with a pity party. I'm all alone. Whoever told Elijah that he was alone? God never told Elijah that he was alone. God God never had said this to Elijah. See, what Elijah failed to realize was the same God that had given him victory over Baal on Mount Carmel is the same God that was with him now. So what is it going to take to get our attention? What's it going to take to get our attention? Is corona something that God's given to get our attention? Or is it something the devil's using to bring fear to our lives? See, what Elijah failed to realize was that same God that took him through those 450 bales on Mount Carmel was still wanting to fight for him. Is God going to have to ask you the second time the way he did Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah answered, but I think there's something happened between verses 13 and verses 14 of those verses, I believe true repentance came to the heart of Elijah because I believed in these verses, I believe in these two verses of Scripture. He remembered who gave him the victory. And God told Elijah to get back on duty and get, to, get his focus back on God where it belonged. And when Elijah heard from God, man, Elijah got on the move. Why is it that sometimes... We lose our focus so much when all we have to do is put our focus on Him. I told you guys that I've been through a difficult time in my life, and I have. My trust in my Lord has never went anywhere, and my faith hasn't either. But sometimes, boy, our adversary, the devil, can take us places we don't want to go. And he just had me feeling so down and so out. And so, just to be honest, I needed this question asked to me. And I think that's why the Lord gave me this message. Because during this time of of going through all this stuff that I was going through, God asked me the same question. What are you doing here? You see, because as a child of God, we have no business being there. Because I'm going to tell you something. When we're there, we're of no effect for him and his kingdom. Because we're so beaten down and we're so downtrodden. Guys, I'm telling you, my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And boy, if he does that... And Elijah finally realized this, boy, and he got on the move. And God commissioned Elijah to go and to fulfill the work that God had for him. And I told the the earlier service, it wasn't in my message, but I was kind of looking forward and reading on a little bit further in the in the scriptures and all this stuff that, that, that God told him to do, he does by going and commissioning Elijah. And then two more were commissioned. And, and before several 
uh, uh, some more time in the Bible, all of Baal worship was done away with in that time. That's amazing to me. All because this man, this man Elijah that loved the Lord, and I really, really believe he loved him with all of his heart, lost focus of who his God was. But God renewed his focus. I told our first service this morning, we live in a time of this coronavirus. And yes, I think people need to be cautious. Yes, I think people need to, to beware. But guys, I trust my God. I trust my God. Because if my God wants me to have it, I can't wear enough of these right here in the world to keep me from getting it. <laughs> I can't. But I know that if he takes me to it, praise God, he'll take me through it. And, and I'm just telling you, no matter where you're at, he'll meet you right where you're at. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you, child of God. Man, he's always been with you. But God has commissioned us to keep moving because coronavirus or no coronavirus, there's many peoples outside the walls of this building that are lost, dying, going to hell that need Jesus. And it's our responsibility as a church to be sharing that. So wearing your mask or not wearing your mask, this world needs Christ. And it's our responsibility as a body of believers to share our faith with those we come in contact with. And what a time and what a season to be doing it in in this time of fear. This time when we're worried about what's going to happen next. Listen, if I die and leave this walk of life, y'all don't worry about me. Y'all don't worry about me. Don't say, hey, he never wore his mask because I probably even not going to be true. But, <laughs> but listen, God has commissioned us to get moving. Maybe, just maybe, we're not moving the way God wants us to. And maybe he's ringing that question out to each of us. What are you doing here? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and for the way that it speaks to our hearts and to our lives. And Lord, just like Elijah, just like Elijah, God that lost his focus, God help us not to lose our focus. Help us to focus entirely on you. God, we say in our hearts that we believe that you know what's going to happen to us, but yet we run in fear when something happens. God, help us to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. God, help us to move forward. Help us to focus on you. But most of all, help us to trust you. And Lord, I don't know how you may have spoken to lives this morning. These altars are open, God, if they need to come and pray. Or maybe they just want to sit right where they're at in their chairs and pray. But God, you, you do what you want to do in this time and in this place. As Brother Gary plays, God, you do what you want to do. And God, we'll be careful to give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.